From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 203. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and this episode is brought to you by our fine sponsors, Hover, Pingdom, and Inboard Technology. And I am joined, drumroll please, by my friend and Federico yours, Michael Federico Hi. No, ciao, uh, fe- ciao, Stephen. It's Federico not. here from Italy. Mm. Hey, buddy. Hi, I'm back. I'm back, baby! And Federico isn't. So there was a falling out. Um, and <laughs> don't say that. That's not true. Uh, Federico's you know? computer exploded. You don't know all of my conversations. Yeah, so here's the thing. Federico was going to be on today's episode, and then he was going to be away for a couple of weeks, and we have some fun stuff planned for the, the next two weeks, because he's taking his vacation like I have mine. But unfortunately, Federico's uh, audio interface basically exploded um, two minutes before we started recording today, so Federico couldn't make it. So we will soldier on. I am freshly caffeinated, so it's going to be a good show. Um, should we just jump right into follow-up? Let's jump right into follow-up. We're in follow-up now. We've jumped in. <laughs> so we spoke about mobile Safari and this question about the, is it hold back the iPad uh, because it's not like full desktop browsing capable, right? There are things mm-hmm. that you can do in a desktop browser you can't do in mobile Safari. And we had a bunch of feedback around the same question, and I wish we had talked about it on the show. Um, but Safari does have a option that says request desktop site. So if you long press on like the, the refresh button, you have two options. You have request desktop site, and then you have load without content blockers, which can also be helpful if you have, use a content blocker, maybe a page is acting up. But a lot of people are like, well, doesn't that get you kind of where you need to be and it, it can help sometimes but i think most of the things we were talking about and things we had in mind in that segment were things with like interaction so like uh some sort of user interface on a website that doesn't work on mobile like um so that that can be it can kind of get you there but usually not all the way so the thing is the request desktop site doesn't really change. It actually sometimes introduces new problems because if sometimes I've, I have found that if a company is sending you to a mobile site on an iPad, it typically means their desktop site really doesn't work on an iPad. Like they're sending you to the mobile site for a reason is typically mm-hmm. what I've found. Like just today I needed to, I was playing around with shortcuts and I was just like setting up like a, tell me what my calendar events thing is, right? And I found like a mm-hmm. weird bug in shortcuts where uh, I had a Google calendar and an Apple calendar, both with the same name. And the Google calendar just like looks at, I set it up with just some recurring events to add some things with Todoist. And uh, it was doing this thing where even though I said I wanted the Apple calendar, it was giving me results for both in shortcuts because the calendars were named exactly the same. Kind of weird. That's what I expected was happening. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just go and change the name of the Google calendar because I never look at it or use it anyway. So I'll just change the name of that entry in the calendar. Um, and I was trying to go to the like google.com slash calendar website and I would go to get given the mobile page, I hit the desktop button. It would show me, a, hey, this is new. We've changed the UI. And you press okay and it would take me back to the mobile site and it, I was just in this loop. I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> So, like, I find this stuff a lot. Google stuff does this. Uh, Twitch's site does this. They send you to the mobile site. Because if you go to the desktop one, um, it kind of has a fixed view, which is kind of zoomed in, and you can't scroll. Like, this is a lot of the problems that 
actually get new ones get introduced with the desktop site thing. So it typically doesn't help, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I was I enjoyed your you guys' discussion on this one. I actually will just put my stake in the ground and say that Apple needs to fix this. Like Apple needs to find a way to solve this problem um, rather than leaving it on website creators to do. Like I, I feel like this is something that Apple needs to fix. Like however they do it, they could fix it. Like, you know, they could even have some weird mode where you do bring up like a little on-screen trackpad as like in the same way that they add a request desktop site button, which is a weird button to add anyway, right? Like that's weird when you think about it to add that button you're making like a con- you're like conceding to something by adding that button so they should find some way to make it easier to use all these things when you're on a when you're on an ipad that's what i would like to see anyway but that's where i if i was going to kind of draw my line in the sand i would say that apple needs to find a way to fix this as opposed to hoping the rest of the internet catches up yeah i think you're totally right i think it's on apple and they they've got they have a desktop browser. That's the thing that kills me. It's not like they got to go out and build one. They have one. Just just shoehorn it in there. And you'll be I, you know, I, that, I, I agree with you, like, even though you're, you're kind of making a joke, right? But, like, obviously, no one's expecting Apple to just take the macOS browser and put it on the iPad. But they can go a long way to making them closer, I'm yeah, sure. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying bring the whole thing over. But they've got the engine. Like, that's, yeah. you know, they've got the renderer. And you can... You would think a bunch of that's cross-platform. I, I agree. I think it's an Apple thing. So it won't be a problem it, when when all the apps are iOS apps anyway. So you know, it'd be fine. That's when they'll oh. fix it. Hmm. So you just got back from your own trip, but you know, because you you're committed to the show uh, in a big way, you didn't take any time off. Uh, you went to Detroit, uh, Detroit, Michigan, to the Henry Ford Museum because you're a big fancy museum boy. <laughs> Is that is that a thing? I'm not sure that should be a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are one of them. Yeah, so we spoke about it on last week's show. Henry Ford had a maker fair I went up to. Friend of the show, John Voorhees, and frequent guest of Connected Now. <laughs> very on, frequent recently. Very. Uh, he's been on more than anyone. He's been yeah. on three times. I think that's the record. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Underscore used to come on a lot to explain things we couldn't understand. That's true. I have to go back in the archives and yeah. see. Uh so, yeah, so John uh, came up, too, so it was fun to see him. So we went to the Maker Fair, and then I did some speaking. But the iMacs are there, the 13, um, 13 iMac G3s I donated were on display. So I did a little travel video uh, on YouTube kind of showing the trip, showing the iMacs, and, which was a lot of fun to put together, and it was fun to see them. And I'd, I had a really, really good time. So I also... Met several listeners. Uh, several listeners came to both the Saturday and Sunday session that I gave. So yeah, I didn't know you were doing two days. Did you do the same talk two times? Yes. Man, you're a boss. That's that's a difficult thing to do. And there were people in both of them. It was awesome. Uh, so if you were a listener and came up and said, "Hey, thank you. It was great uh, to hang out with some people for a little while." It was a it was a fun fun weekend, Mike. But you know, I'm a homebody. I was glad to be back back home, especially knowing that you'd be here. I don't yeah. want to miss. I mean, you can't miss that. But you've 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 buried the lead on this though. Your IMAX a part of a like ex like an exhibit <laughs> now. That's serious. It's, it's ve- it was a little surreal. I said in the video, I came across them accidentally. Like I came in a side entrance in the museum. Apparently, I wasn't supposed to, but I did. And uh, 
So I was like, oh, I wonder where they are. And I look up and there they are. Like, it's like the, the first thing I see. And it's in a section about like translucency and transparency. And the IMAX are sort of the, uh, like the heart of that exhibit. And all 13 were out and had my name on a placard, which felt kind of good. Yeah, that placard's hilarious. Do you, do you have a picture of the placard anywhere like that's online? I do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I, I want to put somewhere. that in the notes because it's really funny to me because they list each Mac, right? They list each of them. And it's got your name with all of them. And, like, and I just wonder if they couldn't have just like put a big bat, you know, like Stephen Hackett gave us these and then just a list. It's, it's really funny to me that you're the only person on that entire card and you're listed like multiple times. It's re- I find it kind of hilarious. I love it. Yeah, I, I guess because... I think in the paperwork, they're listed as like 13, like in their individual donations. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's how they, because each one has like its own tracking number in their system. So my, my guess is. Yeah, it's and you like, would want to list them individually in case you need one of them for something, right? Right. You wouldn't want to list them as one individual exhibit, right? If you just want the blue one, or whatever, right? Like right. You just want the original. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it is. So yeah. It's, it's, it's very good. I'm very proud of you because this is a very weird and incredible thing to 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 have something that you've done be put in a museum like i know you didn't make them but like you you contributed to this permanent part of the henry ford museum which is no joke but the funny thing is this started as a dumb joke like that's what i love most about this there was a dumb joke which it expanded into a serious project which is now a part of a museum and I kind of loved that. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I have this funny idea for a video where I would eventually have all these IMAX or, or however it started. I don't even know how it started, but it was just like a silly idea. And now, like, now look where it's gone to. I think that's just kind of incredible. Yeah, I put up a blog post. I'm trying to find it. Um, where I was like, oh, yeah, I, it would be cool to like collect all 13. And I posted it like on a Saturday and then they just started pouring in mm-hmm. and. And then they were all here, and then I had to, I couldn't keep them all. But it started as a thing, I was like, oh, I'm just going to see if I could do this, right? And I, it's a really fitting end. I, I couldn't be happier with the way this project ended. Like, it, there is no greater ending. There, the, there is no, no ending not. that is better than this. Like, this yeah. is and it. They're together, which was important mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> you want your children to live together, you, you don't want them to get split up. Yeah, I wanted them to be able to grow together. Yeah. um so yeah so it was it was it was really it was really cool i'm very proud of you thank you um what is well i see i see i see some more mac stuff here and i guess Mm -hmm. there's nothing we can do about it now like it's the Mm -hmm. summer and that means that max stuff's happening i guess i I took over upgrade and did a a whole mac episode with jason rectified that very quickly yeah I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I want to talk about Spect. It is a new Mac app from Stephen Frank. Uh, and I, I brought it up because we've talked a lot about file management and photo management over the years and like using photos or like all of us used to do more of this, of keeping everything in Dropbox and using Finder <laughs> to like navigate our photos. And there are a couple of different apps on the Mac. One's called Loop. Uh, Spect is a new one that basically look at those folders and give you like a nice interface to manage them. And this is from the ones I've seen and used the nicest one. So if you are still using Dropbox or just Finder or something to manage your photos and not using 
iCloud Photo Library, Google Photos. This, I think, would be a nice tool to have at your, at your disposal to help organize and, and manage things. Uh, and also it is, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade. It's kind of noteworthy to see a new Mac app. Like, it, that, it just, it's just like a thing now where it's like you see a new Mac app. It's like, oh, it's a new Mac app. Right, like that doesn't happen mm-hmm. very much anymore. Like even even small utilities, or at least they don't necessarily break out, or they're not newsworthy in any way. But this is made by someone who has a great pedigree, right? So yeah, you know, totally. And it's it's an interesting little thing. It's a very Macy looking app. Like it's very simple. Um, and it's but I think that's by design. So yeah, uh, as past the boy in the chat room is noting, we probably shouldn't have spoken about it because it's photo management related, and it unfortunately <laughs> means that he's going to have to shut that app down. Sorry, yeah. Stephen. Sorry, sorry, Stephen. <laughs> we're sorry. We're, we're big we're fans. Sorry. We're big fans of your work. We're sorry we had to do this to you. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Hover. Building your online identity has never been more important than it is in today's world. And with Hover, you can find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. If you have anything that you want to put on the internet, you want to be able to tell someone where to go to find it. And I heard this once and I really liked it. Like, is it a good way to, to kind of gauge if a name is good is if you tell it to somebody in a, in a loud bar and they can find it. And I think this is especially true with URLs. Like, you want to be able to give somebody a URL that is easy to spell and makes sense and you can be sure that people are going to be able to find what you're looking what you want to send them to right because if you have something online you want people to find it that's why it's there typically Um, so you want to have a good domain name and that's why you want hover because hover have all of the tools that you're going to want to find that domain name that you need because if you're stuck if you're not sure what to name it you can type in some words into hover and they'll make a bunch of suggestions for you you know like they might add some different words on if if just some domains are taken and they also have over 400 domain name extensions that you can choose from so you'll definitely be able to find something that is easily to be understood when it is heard and people can go there if you want to show off something that you're doing, if you want to show off some work that you've had, you want to have a presence online to be able to show that. And that is the great thing about Hover. They will be able to give you the domain name that you want or need to be able to put your project front and center on the internet. The great thing about Hover is they allow you to keep your domain separate from your hosting as well. So you don't have to be stuck with a service that doesn't meet your needs. And don't even just think about this. I know we focus on domain names for your website, but you you may also want a domain name for your email. Personalized email addresses is another way to further your identity online. So you give someone a cool sounding email address so you're not like, I don't know, like I'm looking around my desk, like Italian guy at hotmail.com. You don't want that, right? You want like Vitici at maxstories.net. That's a cool, that's a cool email. Um, you should, you know, be nice to Federico. He's a good guy. If you want to show the world what you're passionate about, Hover is there to help you make that first step. Go to hover.com slash connected right now, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Hover's a great company. They have wonderful customer support, no up sales. They have a clean user interface. I really, really love what they do. Hover.com slash connected, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there are a bunch of rumors, Mike, about upcoming... Mm iPad Pros. We have one saying that the 2018 models may drop the headphone jack because of courage. And another one about smart connectors and Face ID. But let's start with the headphone jack thing. So they dropped it on the iPhone 7. Mm. Some people like The Verge are still very 
very personally upset about it. I think the rest of us have more or less moved on. It's annoying sometimes, but not very often. But the iPad feels like a different thing. You know, the phone, I could kind of see why they had to do it. I don't, you know, you see iFixit, take the thing apart. It's like, okay, I could see why you need the space. But the iPad is massive. There's not room in there for a little headphone jack. What's going on here? I mean, I am still personally annoyed about the removal of the headphone jack on the iPhone. I'm not joking. Like, this isn't the point where, like, every time they release a new device, I'm not like, where's the headphone jack? But I've just never been personally happy, content with the reason. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think we ever... Apple never gave a reason, right? They were just like, we've removed it because we're courageous. Like, I know that's a meme, but that was, like, the reason. And people have claimed, every time I bring this up, and there's going to be people that are going to do it right now, people tell me it was to help with waterproofing, or they tell me it was to add a taptic motor. Nobody can prove any of those things, in my opinion. Like, they removed the headphone jack because it was just something that they wanted to do for whatever reason. But the reason, Mm -hmm. the reason, honestly, I stand by my original reason for this is they needed it gone from the 10 because they were constrained with what they wanted to put in the 10. So they just removed it on the 7 because the 10's the one they wanted to sell. They didn't want the 10 to be bogged down in the story of they removed the headphone jack. So they got rid of it on the 7 so that they had a runway leading up to the 10. That's what I... I stand by that reason. I 100% believe that's why they did it. I understand why they did that, but it still annoys me. Anyway... Let's assume that the reasons that people give waterproofing or more space inside of the device are true, right? Let's just assume that. These are two things the iPad Pro doesn't need, waterproofing or more (laughs) space inside of the case. You you don't want to use your iPad Pro in the tub safely? I mean, I would love it, but it doesn't need it, right? Like, it just doesn't... You do not need to waterproof your iPad. Like, we're good. Like, we're fine. It's not a thing. And and we've sidestepped the conversation that there are plenty of products on the market with headphone jacks that are (laughs) water-resistant. Just gonna say oh yeah that. yeah yeah i mean like that's that was rubbish right like samsung there are android phones released every day that have headphone jacks that are waterproof and samsung were doing it before the iphone 7 anyway so they had a great ad i really like their ad that they had like a wrapper pour champagne on the phone it was really funny i enjoyed that ad it was one of samsung's better ads um so if they do do this i am very keen to see what their reason is and i expect the reason to just be bull like i don't honestly i don't even think there'll be a reason i think they'll they will tout the original reason for the seven of we live in a wireless world like that's what i think the reason will be um and the reason that this will annoy me is it's because coming later on in the year or next year they have a bunch of other bluetooth headphones they want to sell me and Hmm. all right like it's a strategy thing but i think it's a mistake i think it's more of a mistake than the phone because I genuinely believe, like, iPads and over-the-ear headphones in traveling circumstances is a huge use of this device. And mm-hmm. I think it's... I will be personally really annoyed about it, like, if this... It, probably more than the iPhone. Because I, I just don't think that the iPad is really hurting for that space back. Like, and, and if they are designing a product where they're that tight... I may say, like, just think about it. Like, <laughs> think about it. Like, do you need to? But anyway, this is all a rumor. I just want to say I think it's silly. I think that there are a lot of use cases for the iPad that will be a real shame. Um, like, a lot of musicians and DJs and stuff like that use this device. And it would. I think it would kind of suck if that stuff was taken away. Uh, I know that you'd mentioned to me, because we were talking about this beforehand, 
that payment companies you get those like the square readers and stuff like and that's the thing mm-hmm. that still exists but a lot of those are being replaced now for bluetooth devices because of the chip technology yeah yeah that's fading away yeah it, it would annoy i mean as you can clearly tell like i maybe have a bee in my bonnet about this one but i would just be real i think that it would kind of be unnecessary like and if they're gonna if they remove it from the ipad then it's going from the mac right like and if it doesn't then i again will ask questions why is it still on the mac you know but hey ho yeah i mean the mac definitely feels too far for all the re- like the professional audio reasons and stuff yeah it may be still important on the ipad the mac has all of those and a lot more uh, the thing that i that came to mind for me because I've, I've been traveling a lot is that I very often will use wired headphones on a plane with an iPad. In fact, I was yeah. doing that when we were getting these show notes together. Yeah. Uh, not because, uh, I mean, yes, they sound better on a plane and stuff, but like if I'm on a long flight, I just don't want to, I just don't want to like drain my AirPods and then they'd be dead when I get where I'm going or like lose one on an airplane mm-hmm. and then they're gone forever. My AirPods do. don't last the trips that I take, right? They don't. Mm-hmm. I have to do this thing at some point where I take one out and charge it. And then put it back in again, and then take the other one out and charge it, and then put them both back in again. And like that's not ideal, right? Like if I'm listening to something on my iPhone or whatever, listening to a podcast, and this is not it's not an ideal situation. Like it, they don't last a full plane journey for me, so it would be very frustrating to 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 have that because then it's like, well, you know, I could at least have the headphones that I purchased be used in other places using my iPad, and it's like, well, now I've just wasted these headphones, because now I can't plug them into anything, because the dongle life is dumb, right, like, it's it's not a great solution, plugging it into the lightning port, because then I can't charge it, and remember, I'm on a plane, so sometimes I need to, anyway, so yes, we're in the weeds on this one, but you can clearly see it would frustrate me. What if they replaced the headphone jack with, like, you had three lightning ports, you had one for charging, one for pencil charging and then one for your adapter. That's that's all the problem. Make one of those USB C and then maybe we can talk. Shh. <laughs> There's also a lot of talk about the smart connector, and this kind of goes like in conjunction with the face ID camera. Yeah. Because we're talking about like iPad orientation, right? So despite the printing and the Apple logo on the back, I think most people especially if you have an iPad Pro, use iPads in landscape most oh, of the time. It's, right? yeah. we, all, we all rotate them occasionally. But if you get it, if you get it in a keyboard case, it's going to be in landscape mode. And the Apple logo's on the side, and then the headphone cable's got to you know, fall across the screen. It's, it's a little strange. The but- entire multitasking system is built around an iPad being used in landscape. Because mm-hmm. it's just not that nice to use in portrait, right? Because you don't have the screen size. Like If you use apps... If you either use a keyboard or you use multitasking, you use your iPad in landscape probably most of the time. And if you do either of those two things, you own an iPad Pro. You know what? Like you, you know, like I feel like if you're if you're spending a lot of time doing either of those two things on your iPad, you're probably using an iPad Pro. So, so the idea is that moving the smart connector somehow means that they're making it a portrait device and people are drawing a line to face id that's kind of where this is all going but i think we need to we need to uncouple these a little bit first so let's park the smart connector discussion and now talk about face id so people were saying oh they've moved the smart connector to the bottom because now the ipad is a portrait device because the face id sensor doesn't work in landscape right 
that this is this is the argument that's being put forward here i think by a lot of people who have seen the the rumors from mac kotaku right who said that the smart connector was moving to the bottom based upon supply chain discussions as well as other things which we'll get to so I'm just going to say I really don't think this is the case. I do not believe that Apple would ship an iPad Pro with it had Face ID, but it only worked in portrait. Personally, I don't think they're going to ship um, uh, an iPad Pro with Face ID that only works in one orientation anyway, either portrait or landscape. I don't think that that's what they're going to do. Um, I think that if that was the case, they just wouldn't put it in. That's how I feel. Like, you just don't do it until you can do it in multiple orientations. And I've seen, I mean, I've spoken about this, I think, on Upgrade a few weeks ago. And Federico brought it up for today's show as well. That there was a developer session um, during WWDC about the face detector API in iOS 12 supporting multiple faces. So this is how it gets that um, multiple looks, right, in, in iOS 12 on the iPhone 10. You get like what do they call alternate alternate look or something like that, where you can set like yeah. a second version That's of your own face, apparently, like as 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 in Face ID. Um, but it also supports multiple orientations, and they've shown some pictures of the Face Detector API being what they call orientation agnostic, and it can detect faces in multiple orientations now i do have a question which i haven't been able to get an answer for is is this the same technology that's utilized in face id i'm expecting probably right because it is machine learning is it's all machine learning and face id there isn't a problem with the sensors that can only read it in one orientation it is what the machine learning algorithm is able to extract right like that's my understanding Mm -hmm. it's like it just provides this information and then the system says yes it's a face but it only works in portrait right now well the face detector api has changed and it now recognizes in multiple orientations so in theory this should say that we will be able to get this in the future and that but i but the up but then i ask a question of why isn't this in ios 12 on the iphone because that hasn't changed so i don't know i don't have an answer to that um yeah i mean maybe maybe it is one of those features that it shows up in ios 12 on the phone when the ipads well it could be an ios 12.1 right because the ipads might ship in november or something like that yeah you never know i don't know enough to say for sure this is the same thing i mean on the surface of it it looks like it would be yeah and it would be kind of an apple-y thing to do like oh like you know, the new iPad support just, but if you have an iPhone 10, it does it too. You know, like bringing that back to, um, oh, it could be an iPhone 11 feature, yeah. right? Yeah, that's it could a good be. point. I mean, yeah, it, it, it could be that there's like a, not maybe not even a fully second generation Face ID platform, but like a, you know, Face ID 1.5. You know, it's just a little tweak to the hardware that makes this possible. Yeah. And it's only on the new phones and iPads. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know how all this stuff works, but it, it might require some additional processing power to, to be able to do it. I don't know. Like, maybe some new version of Metal that only runs on the 12X or something. Like, we don't know, right? But there could, be a, there could be a technical reason for it. But that I hadn't thought of that. But like, yeah, it might just ship on the new phone. It's like that is a feature of the new phone. Would be a weird mm. feature to have, right? Because it's kind of pointing a flaw in your system. But hey ho, they, I'm sure they could do it in some other way, which could be interesting. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the smart connector. So 
I really find it hard to believe that Apple is going to make a smart keyboard for portrait orientation. Oh, yeah. Right? So, let's assume there's a couple of different things that could be going on here, right? That it could be a second connector for other accessories is one potential option, right? There could be a... And that there was this thing on 9to5Mac of this CAD system, and it's like, well, it actually doesn't really look like the smart connector as we know it. It actually is like this weird cutout, and it's on the back. So let's say let's say it's on the back, but in portrait orientation. What if the new smart keyboard is actually a case, and it, or there's like this plate that goes on the back of it, and it allows for an adjustable angle now? Like it might have some kind of like, I don't know, like a hinge or something. And then the connector just goes fixed on the back of it. Or there could just be a second smart connector. It, it, there, are, or there could be many different things. But like, I really doubt that Apple are going to ship a portrait orientation keyboard and or they won't ship a keyboard with the iPad Pro. Like, I don't see any of these things happening, which just tells me that there's a couple of different things going on here. One, this is all wrong. Or two, it's partly correct, the other part of it's being completely missed off. Which is typically what happens, right? It's like we get this stuff on the face of it and we're like, well, logically, with the information that we have been provided, it would seem this. But then when they show it off, it's like, oh, right, we didn't see that part because we didn't have that information because nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah, I mean, the, this render this is all based on is, like, really generic. And, I mean, you can make a case that that's not a smart connector, that's a Touch ID sensor. I mean, who, like, it's it's not that. But it's it's a very vague artwork. And so I, I don't know how much we could draw from it. But I agree with you. Portrait keyboard would be weird. They did that initially, and it was super strange. And I tend to think that if this is a smart connector, they're, they're, it's either a second one, and they have some sort of new accessory coming, or... It is to make something like the smart keyboard, uh, like you said, adjustable or more useful somehow, not a radical change in direction. Yeah, uh, I, you know, or maybe this other thing on the back isn't even a smart connector. Like it's something completely new, right? Like it is a new thing that they have for this device, which we don't know about yet in the same way that we didn't know what the smart connector was when it was rumored, right? Like what is this thing? that's on the bottom nobody knows what Mm -hmm. it was for right right like who knows what it could be um about i'm irrespective of all of this because i have my own beliefs about what they're going to do right seeing all of this stuff though makes me excited because it seems like there's going to be some really big hardware changes like i'm sure that there's going to be some big changes but i personally my belief on it and i'd be super surprised if i'm wrong is that face ID will work in landscape and I will still have a keyboard in landscape, right? And whatever it takes to get me to those points is like whatever it is. But I'm just super excited to see that they're not even just bringing the the, the bezels thinner on these iPads. Like they're doing a bunch of other stuff as well, which makes me excited, right? Because these are the devices that I use every day that I love that are my computers. So I'm super excited about it. And about the, the, the screens... So the rumor, all of the stuff, stuff that went with this rumor, I mean, because obviously it's going to be no home button. We know that, right? Like we know that there's going to be a notch. Like we can see all that stuff in iOS now. Like you can see it in mm-hmm. iOS 12, what they've done on the iPad, like you can see the changes. Um, but the rumors also indicate that both devices 
are going to get larger screens, but will be physically smaller. That is exciting to me. Like, I think that that's totally. really great. Um, I mean, maybe that's why they say they get rid of the headphone jack, right? Because this device is smaller. It's like, oh, we, we accidentally cut the headphone jack off. You know, like, yeah, it, just, it got sanded down. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? End. It's still in there. They're just the, the port got sanded off. Such a shame. <laughs> um, I still won't, still won't buy that. But uh, I, yeah. that makes me excited too, right? Bigger screens, smaller devices. Like, yeah, I love the sound of that. That's everything I want. So do I. And depending on where that ended up, I think I could be swayed back to the bigger iPad. I'm using the 10.5 right now. <laughs> But who knows? No, what will happen is you'll buy the big one and you'll use it for two months and you'll sell it and buy the small one. That's pretty much what will happen. Or you'll buy the small one, you'll sell the small one and buy the big one, then you'll sell the big one and buy the small one. And then just go back to the Newton. How's your second MacBook Pro doing, by the way? It's great. (laughs) Right. Okay, good news. Maybe we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, Should we take a break? Let's take a break, Mike. I'm very excited about this because we have a new we have a new and exciting sponsor today, Inboard Technology. They are the geniuses, the genii, genii behind the motorized M1 skateboard. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're being sponsored by an electric skateboard today. Inboard's flagship M1 e-board is set apart from the pack with its innovative industry-leading features and its sleek yet rugged design. The board has the glide of a traditional skateboard with the power and freedom of an electric motor. You can ride long after the sun goes down because it's the only electric skateboard that has integrated LED lights on the front and a tail for a safer ride so you can see a little bit and people can see you. It has the world's first truly swappable back battery for an electric skateboard. You can just put an extra battery in your bag and swap it while on the go so you don't need to awkwardly find a charger in a coffee shop. And the Inboard Vision mobile app controls every aspect of the board and even allows your mobile device to be used as a throttle. It provides regular firmware updates for your M1 for the highest performing torque, hill climbing efficiency, and more, making the M1 totally future-proof. You can seriously upgrade your commute with one of these boards. Forget spending ages stuck in traffic or looking for a parking space. Just pick up your board and head to work. And if your commute is just fine, maybe you want a fun way to get around the neighborhood. And it's great for that too. But look, listening to me talk about this while sitting in my studio, that's no good. So why don't we cut to Stephen Hackett, who I believe is standing outside riding his electric skateboard right now. All right, so I am out in front of my house, going to take my inboard out for a spoon. I was not really a skateboarder before this, but the inboard gives you all the confidence you really need. The board is very smooth. The wheels just seem to glide right over small debris, cracks in the concrete. It's really very, very comfortable. And it just makes you feel alive. I like going fast. I like riding my bike fast. I like fast go-karts. The inboard makes that experience a lot easier to attain because you're out in the open getting lots of fresh air, feel the breeze. It's a whole lot of fun. So whilst I wait for Stephen to return back in from uh, somewhere outside in Memphis, let me tell you how you can get one of these of a fantastic discount. For a limited time only, save $100 on your purchase of the M1 eBoard by going to inboardtechnology.com and using the code CONNECTED100 at checkout. Get the board, try it for 14 days, and if it's not for you, just send it back. With that easy return policy, if you ever wanted to try out a motorized board, now is the time to do it. So that's inboardtechnology.com. 
A-N-B-O-A-R-D-Technology.com and use the code CONNECTED100 to save $100 for a limited time only. And they don't just ship to the US, they ship to many places around the world. So go check it out right now. You won't regret it. Our thanks to Inboard Technology for their support of this show and Relay FM. How you doing? You feeling good? Good. A little sweaty now? Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, man. I have one of these things sitting right here next to me. It just arrived. I'm so excited to try it out. Very excited. All right. So Apple results. Um, I mean, I want to touch on this because I feel like we have to touch on this, right? Because it's, sure. it's a big thing. But it's, mm-hmm. ne- it's never massively exciting. But I want to run through the numbers just so people can hear the numbers in case they've missed it. I feel like it is our duty to report on it. And then there's a couple of areas that I wanted to touch on a little bit with you to get your opinion. So here are the headlines. Are you ready? I am ready. $53.3 billion in revenue, up from $45.4 billion year on year. $11.5 billion in profit, up from $8.7 billion. $41.3 million iPhones sold, up from $41.0 million the year before. $11.6 million iPads sold, just up from $11.4 million. million max sold, down from 4.3 million, the only thing that's Mm. down in this list. $9.55 billion in services revenue, up from 7.27 billion. So basically, everything is up except max, which is down. Uh, And that's year on year, not from previous quarters. We'll get to the max stuff. First thing to touch on iPhone. It's the only only thing that's really important, honestly, in the in the earnings report. Um, so, there's a couple of things here. So that is not a decline; it is an increase, but a small increase. It's like a very minuscule increase, really. Right? It's like 0.3 million units sold. So the sales didn't go down, but they are mostly flat. But that goes against a lot of the reports that the iPhone 10 is dead. Where it gets even more interesting is that revenue went up 20% year on year. So not only is the iPhone 10 selling, it's also selling greater than the other phones. ASP is up, so the average selling price is up year on year. So it shows that people are buying the most expensive phone, even though maybe Apple isn't doing gangbusters on the amount that they're selling. They're still selling an incredible amount of phones, and people are buying the more expensive ones. Right. And in a world where Apple may be reaching or being near to reaching market saturation with their phone, the way you have growth is that average selling price moving up. And it's so interesting. I feel like every quarter since the iPhone ten has been out, right before the release, some analyst says, oh, hey, the 8 has knocked the 10 off the top. Uh, they're selling more 8s than anything else. And we saw that last quarter. We saw it this quarter. And Apple really takes that head on and says, no, the iPhone ten is the best-selling iPhone. And in fact, it's been the best-selling iPhone ever since we launched it. And I think that says a couple of things. I think one, some of us, uh, I'll count myself in this, we're a little nervous that the price was going to drive some people away. And it turns out that that does not seem to be the case. It seems to be that the, either the iPhone 10, because it has a new design or new technology, something about it makes people willing it's to It's a really good-looking phone. It, it is really good-looking. And if you look, uh, I actually just uh, saw a friend's 8 last night and handled it for a second. It's like, this feels old. Like, it feels like a 6. Like... The 8's a great phone, and that's the phone I tell most people to buy, like, 
and people ask me for advice, but it's um, it's that old body style. It's the last of its kind, more than likely, and it shows a little bit. And so I think people are drawn to the 10. What would be interesting for me to see, say that the iPhone 10 and 10 Plus, uh, you know, whatever the next ones are, right? Um, if they retain this price point, will the ASP hold steady? Will it go up if the plus is even more? Like, where is the ceiling? It, ha- have they met the ceiling except that the new design is so exciting people are willing to spend a little bit more one time? Is this the new normal? That'll be something to look at in the future, what that average selling price does once these old old world phones, you know, with home buttons and chins and foreheads, once those kind of phase out of the line, do we go back to a world where the ASP is is lower? Can Apple continue to charge these premiums if all the phones look like this? Lots of questions, right? Because what's so interesting about this phone cycle is that they've broken every single pattern that they had. There was not a 7S. There was an 8. It's the first time they've had two kind of two flagships, right? That they had three new phones in total, the 8, the 8 Plus, and the 10. This is new territory. And if rumors are to believe this year is going to be just as nutty with different things coming in at different sizes and price points. So I'm curious to see how this holds up. And if anything can really hurt uh, Apple financially, like from a stock perspective, it'll be this iPhone ASP sliding back down. So here's the thing. Uh, I agree with you, right? Proof is in the next revisions, right? Like what happens with the new phones? Now, the rumors suggest all new phones, right? Like all new look, all new phones, right? Which is exciting. Yeah, I think I think Apple, well, Apple are very confident because their guidance is 60 to $62 billion for the next quarter. So the beginning of the iPhone quarter. It's not their biggest quarter of the year, right? That's Q1. Yeah. Well, that depends too when the iPhone goes on sale. There are times where the iPhone is like basically the last week of the quarter, so it doesn't make a necessarily a big impact. It must be making a difference because they're expecting like yeah. a very big jump. They're expecting a basically ten billion dollar jump year on year. It's all new Macs. I got new Macs coming, man. It's gonna be I have the new Mac Pro. I have a good point that I'm trying to make here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're expect so like so year on year for um Q Q4 2017 to Q4 2016, right? So when the iPhone debuted, right? The new, well, kind of the new iPhones went on sale, let's say, because I don't think the 10 was involved in that one. It was a six billion dollar year on year increase that they did. They they are guiding. Uh, their guidance is 10 billion dollars potentially, and Apple always comes under their guidance, or at least has a very they good do. history of that. So they're. Exp- mm-hmm. I mean, so we can expect. I don't know, like an eleven, twelve billion dollar yeah. increase year they, on year. They think something is going to be a big deal this fall. They're very confident in the iPhones. I mean, because it has to be the iPhones. Nothing else can generate that sort of money. Air power. <laughs> <laughs> they're like we're so one to every single person who has an iPhone <laughs> on the planet. It's a lot of money, <laughs> right? So, so uh, whilst I, I appreciate the jokes, uh, th- that that was the point that I wanted to make. Like. No, it's a really good point, Mike. And and you're right. Apple is conservative when they give that guidance because when companies lose value, it's when they miss their guidance. Mm-hmm. And Apple plays that a little safely. Yeah. I think we um, can expect all the phones will go on sale in September this time around. They're not going to wait for I a think November so. one. I don't think they ever wanted to wait until November for the 10. Mm-hmm. It just took longer than, mm-hmm. it, than they had. So 
that's that's kind of where I think that like big things are going to happen. And and yes, I agree. If the ASP changes, it would be a shame for them. But I think they're going to do so much money and so many units sold that that will be forgotten about even if it goes down, right? Like yeah. I think they, that they will they will absolutely knock it out of the park with uh, the 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 raw numbers. So. That's you know the iPhone 10 was a success, right? Apple weren't lying when they were telling their calls that it was like the best-selling phone. <laughs> it's so interesting to me, like especially Bloomberg. They publish these articles like an hour before that is their guidance, and recently it's been like really wrong every time. Yeah, like and and I think that they need to spend some time thinking about that. Like, do they really want those page views an hour before or a day before or whatever about the iPhone 10 is dying? Like, yeah. Well, the game is if you're right, you're a genius, and if you're wrong, it gets buried in the other news. Mm-hmm. It's always funny to me. Like I follow a couple of uh, industry analysts on Twitter, not too many because I can't take too much of it, but a couple. And it's funny to me when like they're like, Apple said it was this billion. My estimate was this, and it's like, are you just trying to show how smart you are? Like I don't understand, right? Like it's okay. You don't have to tell me. It's fine. Like I can look it up if I need to. But they're like, mm-hmm. like six different tweets of every different line, and it's like I was a hundred thousand dollars off. Like, I guess, but I guess that's important, right? I guess that's what people pay them to do. But it just, as someone who's not in that world, it always seems funny to me. It's like, look how smart yeah. I am. But I guess that's their yeah. job to show how smart they are. I, I don't it's know. Job. It's a strange thing. We should try that industry analyst stuff. I guess we do it, but not with numbers, right? No, and I want to talk about a point Jason made in his article about that in a second, but. Oh, we're pretty product focused. Uh, let's talk about the iPad for a second. I think there's some interesting stuff here. Uh, iPad revenue and units, uh, if you look at the quarter averages, are stable. Like, yep. It seems like the iPad is out of its dive and has landed at $4.9 um, billion a quarter, You know, 11 billion units, uh, looking at, at four quarter averages. The ASP, though, is down. And I think that's a, I guess a pretty easy thing to explain this time is that that $329 iPad, they sold a bunch of them this quarter, probably the early part of the quarter to schools and now just like to regular consumers. And the iPad Pro is now over a year old. And I expect the, AS- the ASP on the iPad is very tied to new product, new mm-hmm. models, uh, maybe more so. Th- uh, well, maybe maybe even more so than other parts of Apple's business, because I think, uh, I don't know, like something about the iPad, like people don't upgrade as often. So it's like, they wait to something new, and you see these spikes. But plus, in the category, ex- the the price delta is huge. Yeah, right. It's like so the, the the pros are like two to three times more expensive than the than, right than the than the. And you have that below. in the Mac, but the Mac's a much smaller business. Yeah, so it it's not as noticeable. Glaring. So right, I want to compare this with the Mac because okay. the iPad has stability and it's been stable for about a year, which. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the last year, I think what we're seeing now is Apple has finally found the stability in the iPad line because the pros were doing really great and then they weren't going to have pros come out in June. So they released the cheaper iPad for schools and etc., which has kept the iPad line stable. So if they keep yes. following it along this route, the iPad line remains stable. The Mac is down probably because there were no new Macs in June. But that shows that that line, that market, that 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 part of their business, they haven't got the stability in, right? Because yeah. if the 329 iPad didn't come out when it did, then the iPad line would be down because they didn't have any new pros. 
So the stability in the line is coming from having a good strategy. And I think, just if you look at the face of it right now, and I can't imagine many people would disagree with me, hardware strategy-wise right now, the iPad is stronger than the Mac. Like, where Apple is kind of putting their, like, with what they're releasing, the strategy seems, like, people in the iPad, like, iPad users are not going crazy right now because of X going wrong in the hardware, right? Like, yeah. maybe that happens in September, right? <laughs> Depending on where the smart <laughs> connector goes. But, like, just kind of like a hardware strategy perspective, what's being released is making people happy and it's coming at the right time. And that is not happening for the Mac, right? Like, the MacBook Pros were met with a bunch of problems again. What the heck is happening with the MacBook Air? What is happening with the MacBook? Why is it still the same? Why is it still so expensive? Where mm-hmm. is the Mac Mini? Where's the Mac Pro? Like, okay, where's the new 5K iMac? Like, all of this stuff doesn't seem to be on any kind of stable flow where the iPad, even though we only have like two years of, of this happening, seems to be on a stable flow. Um, so I think there are I think there are a couple of things to unpack here. I think the distinction you've drawn between the iPad and Mac release cycles is an important one. Where uh, the iPad now is a sort of a TikTok release, where you have consumer and then you have professional and then you have consumer, and the demand swings uh, based on age. But then the other product is there to pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. I think is what you're saying, and I think that makes a lot of sense for the iPad. I think it, it explains what we're seeing. The Mac, on the other hand, has never really had that sort of cadence to its release. And maybe they should look at that because it's working for the iPad. But I think there's really a, two things that have impacted the Mac. Like you said, nothing new in June. Uh, the new MacBook Pros were, I believe, out of this quarter or at the, or at the very, very they end were of out. it. I think they, they were, were out. I think they were yep. out of the quarter. So we're, we're not seeing these new MacBook Pros. Because this quarter ended uh, in June. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't see those uh, those numbers in, in this report. Uh the the lack of updates forget WBC but like the lack of updates to the Mac line in general clearly are taking a toll where you have people who would spend money on something like I'm one of them Federico's one of them um, I'm ready to buy a new Mac Mini Federico's ready to buy a Mac Mini and there's not a product for us uh, I think there are people who were probably holding off on uh, maybe something like an iMac or even a MacBook Pro waiting for that June update it didn't happen. I don't know where the iMac 5K is. They they are basically internally are MacBook Pros. Like I don't know why those two devices aren't released at the same time. They were last year. They have been for several years. Something is going on there. And then of course you have. I think what the biggest problem is is the the consumer notebook. And lots of people have been talking about this. I don't want to retread all of it. But with an you walk in a store and you buy an iPad. I don't, my guess is, my feeling is, you probably know which iPad you're going to buy before you walk in. Yeah, I don't think you're, you're being met with a lot of surprise. No, or if you walk in and talk to a sales associate for five minutes, you have two very clear paths and you go down mm-hmm. one. You do not have that in the Mac line right now. Forget the desktops because the, the vast majority of Mac sold are notebooks. Like just table the iMac, Mac Mini, iMac Pro, Mac Pro, just get rid of them. Just in notebooks. If you walk in with $1,400 in your pocket to buy an Apple notebook, you have a bunch of choices and none of them are very compelling. You have the MacBook Air, which is has all the ports you want, but is older, doesn't have a retina screen, but 
It's cheap. It has incredible battery life. And I still think the MacBook Air has an amazing reputation among consumers. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times people email me or in real life, at, you know, looking to buy a notebook. And the question is usually phrased, should I just buy another MacBook Air? And I think that has real value to people. But the technology is not very good now. Then you've got the one-port MacBook, to your point, is too expensive for what it is. Most people, I would think, would maybe struggle with having a single port or they don't want to buy an adapter or they just want something bigger. The 12-inch screen just isn't big enough for them, uh, let alone power. Yeah, I think that, that choosing between the Air and the MacBook for a lot of people would be a very difficult decision to make. I think so, but I think the MacBook Air wins for most people because it's a little That's bit what bigger I mean, and cheaper. Right? You know? But it's ugly and old and the screen isn't retina. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you've got this beautiful thing, but it hasn't got as many ports and it's way more expensive. Like there's like, yeah. it's, it's a difficult decision, I think, between those two products. I think so. And, and then you have the 13-inch, what they call a MacBook Pro, but it's not really a MacBook Pro except in form. It's got two ports, uh, regular traditional function keys and again is expensive for what it is. And so if you've got $1,400 to spend on an Apple notebook, it's a very difficult to know which is the right decision. And for some people, none of them are the right decision, right? For some people, what they really need is something more akin to the MacBook Air, but with modern internals. Gosh, and I mean, it's worse now, right? Because I'm still looking at the page. The MacBook and the MacBook Pro are the same price now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's making it even harder. Like, mm-hmm. how do you choose between the two of those? That's a really difficult decision to make. It's really frustrating. And I, I think, and, and there was a good uh, conversation between Marco and John on the latest uh, talk show episode about this. And I agree with what they said, that I think it's time for Apple to basically just upend this entire end of their notebook lineup. Mm-hmm. And... Maybe that means I don't know what that means. Maybe it means the MacBook Air goes away and the MacBook becomes a thousand dollars, and you add a second port. Maybe this thirteen-inch MacBook Pro gets uh, adjusted somehow and is you know sort of modernized in a way that makes uh, whatever it is. The clarity that was once there is gone, and I think that's the core problem in the Mac lineup. Not that the Mac Mini hasn't gotten updated, even though it's annoying. Not that the Mac Pro is still a year out, but that's annoying. Not that the new 5K iMacs aren't out, but that's annoying. The core problem, and I think where they are hurting, is they are losing consumers because consumers don't have um, a good a good option. And so mm-hmm. people, I think a lot of people feel like to get a good Mac notebook, they got to buy that entry-level touch bar machine, which is $17.99. At that point, people just go buy a PC. People like you and me and people like our listeners I will ride the Mac all the way down because I want to run Mac OS as long as possible. There, there are always people uh, online, you run into these comments about like, well, uh, the new MacBook Pro is still doesn't work for me for XYZ, so I'm just going to go buy a Surface Book or something. That doesn't work for me because I want to run Mac OS. I genuinely have no idea how people can make that decision. Like, it, but uh, I, b- I, I, think, I think people my do mind. that. No, I'm, I'm sure they do, but like, I cannot get in the mindset of like, that that Mac is too expensive. I'll just go buy a Dell. Like they're so different. It's like, oh, that yeah. car doesn't work. I'll just go and buy a motorbike. Right? Like yeah. that there are or so many skateboard. things that are different between those two. Like I know people yeah. do it. I totally understand it. But like in the same way, like I can't I can't fathom someone who's just like 
oh, I've, I use Windows PCs. That MacBook looks pretty. I'll buy one of those. Like, it really like it boggles my mind. It's like I'm just going to go and buy this one device instead of the other. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, just as an aside, I'm at apple.com slash Mac slash compare. Mm-hmm. And the first bullet point for Mac Mini is highly energy efficient. <laughs> It's <laughs> uh, because electricity technology has moved on since the yeah. the, the, the Mac was last updated. We got rid of the hand crank in the back. So I, I hope that Apple has a, an answer to this, whether it is removing a model and changing the pricing or like ideally, I think for, for me would be to have a new consumer model that replaces the air and you change some of the branding so it makes sense. And you have a machine, like a Mac for the masses. And Apple doesn't have one right now. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you have the, the Pro angst around the MacBook Pro. I think we'll know next quarter if these MacBook Pros solve that or not. I think they probably will for most people because they're a lot faster. The keyboard seems to be mostly fixed. And at least if people are like me, I've just given in to the USB-C lifestyle and I bought a bunch of cables on Amazon. Like maybe that initial angst is faded and we just have come to accept it, come to accept that these machines are what they are. So time will tell with that, but it really feels like that consumer Mac notebook um, quagmire is catching up with them. Yeah. And like, here's the thing. I don't believe I'm smarter than, than the people making these decisions at Apple. I know they know sure. this and I am very confident. I'm not saying that you, you no, man, we saved them. They listen to the show and they're going to turn it around. Like, oh, do you know what? We didn't even notice that diff- that, that point in our earnings report. Um, so, like, I'm I'm really confident <laughs> that they have an answer to this. Yes. We just haven't seen it yet. And for whatever reason, because things happen, we run companies, we know how things get delayed, right? Like, yeah. and they're working at much different scale than we are. Things get delayed all the time. This is just what it's like when you run a company. And I'm sure that there's just something going on right now, which is kind of throwing things out of whack a little bit, and it will be taken care of. Like, I believe that. I genuinely do. Mm-hmm. But all I'm doing is, like, I'm looking at these numbers and, like, this is why I think it's happening, right? Like, I'm trying to apply consumer thinking to the fact that people aren't buying the Macs as much. as Because yeah. the Mac going down year on year is a rare, rare thing to happen. I saw some mm-hmm. t- some statistic of, like, how many consecutive quarters it's been or something, right? Like, where it's been up and there hasn't been a problem. It going down is a concern it doesn't matter what the reason is it shows something something bad has happened and for whatever reason that was it's something that apple doesn't want yeah which means that they will have a thing that they think is going to fix it so that right. that's kind of and where i sit on this and it's not all doom and gloom like the average selling price is up um probably because there's not a good consumer option if people buy the macbook or the macbook pro but yeah clearly something needs to give um and I, i'm i'm to borrow a term from you, I'm choosing to be optimistic about it because mm-hmm. I believe Apple at their word that they care about the Mac. And caring about the Mac means caring about the MacBook and the, the notebook line. And so I think they'll get it straightened out. I just hope it's sooner rather than later. I think we'll have some some really good Mac stuff by the end of the year. I do. I hope so. I do. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to give you the keyboard you want, but I think no. there's going to be some updates to the line. I think that there's yeah. going to be some... Well, like, well like, the, like the Mac Mini thing, like my home entertainment Mac Mini is like holding on by a thread... But, you know, my wife has a first-generation MacBook from 2015, and it's out of warranty now, and it is a bit of a dog. And so, like, I would like to replace that with something for her. And I was thinking about even, like, the two-port MacBook Pro. It's not much bigger or much heavier. She doesn't – it lives docked with a screen. So, well, maybe that would be nice. But 
I'm holding off because I don't want to do something. And then there'd be like an obvious answer, you know, in, in two months time. So I, I feel like people are in that situation or some people are just holding on mm-hmm. to see what happens. And, you know, they miss back to school that's come and gone, but maybe they can have it for the holiday season. Do you want to make a point about services? I do. Uh, it's just been a thought that's been like rattling around in my mind. And Jason wrote uh, in his, which is linked, we're pulling up all these numbers from. He wrote this paragraph about services that was really interesting. And uh, the gist of it was, you know, Jason, I think like the two of us are very product focused in our Apple coverage and analysis. And like, actually, like Tweety yesterday, like, I just have quit reporting on, on quarterly earnings because I just, I just, I don't find it interesting and it's time consuming. And, but he, he said this and it really popped out at me. I'm just going to, I'm going to read just for a second. So forgive me. Um, but the discussion of services, especially in a financial context, is essentially a conversation about how Apple can grind more money out of every single person who uses an iPhone, iPad, and Mac. And I think he hit on what's been bothering me about services the last couple of quarters. It's great to see it growing. You know, it's Apple talks about Apple Music subscribers, but also in there you have iCloud paid subscriptions, right? People purchasing more storage. And I don't know the breakdown between those two things, but it's in there somewhere. And the Apple, so the Apple Music thing is doesn't fall into this category, right? Like if you want to pay for streaming music, Apple has a good product. I use it, you use it. I'm very happy with it. But the services that fall into the category of, hey, you're out of iCloud space because we give you five gigs. That's where this idea of like grinding people to a fine dust, like that's really where it bugs me. And and it, it may be too that I've had several conversations. I have a text message right now from my brother-in-law who his wife's phone is, you know, out of iCloud space and he thought he paid for it, but I think he just paid for it on his account. They don't have a family plan. Like I'm going to go fix it for them this weekend. Like people run into this and I still believe Apple should up the five gigabyte plan. But the flip side of that coin is, well, if they do, their services revenue goes down because people pay to have more space because they're out of space because five gigs is pathetic. And there's just something in there that makes me uncomfortable because it's not, it's, it's not a consumer first consumer friendly thing. And Apple generally is pretty consumer friendly. You know, we, we complain about a lot of stuff, but at the heart of it, I think Apple's a company that really cares about its users but this is like a big stick in that eye to say, well, not not everywhere. Is that unfair? No, because it's weird, right? It's not unfair. It's, it is a weird thing. It's like the conversation of, oh, we all would love them to change the default space or make the iCloud stuff cheaper. But they can't. They cannot do it because their stock price will go down. Now, if they care about that, it depends what they care about most. I mean, they can do it, but the stock price will go down. So it's up to them, really, isn't it? Because so much of the the share price right now is focused on the, the growing market, like whatever mm-hmm. they're growing in. And they're not really growing in anything else significantly. Services is the thing they're growing in. The elef- There is a huge TV-shaped elephant in the room, right, which yeah. is even kind, kind of just like openly discussed on the conference call. Um, yeah. It seems <laughs> just like... We have some stuff that we're working on in that area. We've hired some executives. You know, we're really excited. I mean, it's because, you know, me and Jason talk about this a lot on Upstream, which is a part, which is a segment on Upgrade, uh, where we look at kind of streaming new services and streaming services and the news that's going on within them. 
And, you know, Apple can't hide what they're doing because that's not how the entertainment industry works, right? Like people announce when they're, they're, you know, the agents announce to Variety and Deadline and The Hollywood Reporter when a new show has been picked up by Apple because that's how the industry works, right? So like everyone knows they're working on a, a, a service. I mean, Apple even announced their deal with Oprah, right? Like, and, and TV mm-hmm. stuff was part of that. But, and that's kind of what was spoken about in the court. Oprah was spoken, spoken about in the court because it's the biggest deal that they've done. And uh, this is another part of the services revenue. But this is an add-on. This is the thing you don't need. But it's the problem right. when uh, there's, there's stuff that you need for your devices and they're charging you for them and they're not changing the prices of them, probably because it will impact this part of the earnings report. Yeah. And I, I wonder if I can be optimistic in saying that if Apple Video, whatever it's called, is successful and they're just raking in money, then they can give a little bit on the iCloud storage. It depends. Right, it depends can... on the, the, the opinions of who makes those decisions because if the person that makes that decision is like, well, why don't we just keep all this money as opposed mm-hmm. to making some... And the thing is, it's like, it's not a bad thing. It's business. Like, it's not... Oh, yeah. Apple's a, not a charity, you know, and I'm yeah. not saying they should run like one, but in a portfolio of products that are generally pretty customer friendly this is this stands out to me right but then it's like historically customer friendly still customer friendly but has been in the past depends who's making those decisions i'm not trying to point a finger at tim cook here because i don't know if he's the one making these decisions like but someone is and we don't know if that person's opinion is different to the people that came before them Mm Hmm. earnings kids See, we always say this. There's, there's always some interesting stuff in there somewhere. You just there, gotta, there you is, just gotta but mine it's funny it. in these in these conversations we're talking about products. <laughs> you know, yeah. like well, because the earnings we... shine information on the products, right? So the reason that yep. I I feel like I'm the only person in our friend group that is genuinely interested in the earnings. Everybody else like kind of reports on them or begrudgingly does something with them. And like, oh, I hate doing <laughs> this every time. But I find it genuinely interesting because I find out how many products are sold. Like that mm-hmm. tells me what people are buying. It tells me what people are interested in. Yeah. I well, think except it, for the it, Apple Watch, it's a, still on a Bezos chart. Well, it, they don't give us more the numbers, than ever, but Mike. they give us they give us data. But more than ever yeah. is a good thing to know, right? Yes. So I find it interesting. I look forward to getting this information because it's the only information that we get. So mm-hmm. I like it, even though. Yes, I know it can be it can be boring to look at four quarter rolling averages and year over year projections and stuff. <laughs> but I also kind of like some of that stuff. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Pingdom. Pingdom are amazing because they help keep your site and the sites you love online and responsive. Pingdom monitor your site so you don't have to, giving you real time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times because things break on the internet constantly every month pingdom detects around 13 million outages that's more than 400,000 every single day regardless of whether you have a site with one page or you're managing a complete infrastructure it is important to monitor the availability and performance of that site because if you have something on the internet don't you want it to be available you don't want your site to be down you don't want to have to find out because somebody has sent you a tweet or an email and that's why you need pingdom you just give them the url that you want to monitor and they'll 
now take care of the rest with their 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial. No credit card required to do that. And then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% of your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So tell me about your second MacBook Pro. Do you like it? I do. Yeah, so I'd purchased uh, an entry model. We talked about this. And uh, I very quickly realized that was not uh, what I should have done. You have such such poor grasp of your own desires for purchases. It's true. Well, so this time I was like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to spend that much money. No, I know. So let me cheap out. Um, no. But you I think cheap you, out to, you, you can't cheap out on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, woo. <laughs> let me spend just shy of two grand mm-hmm. instead of just over it. So anyway, so I ended up with a, a pretty loaded one, i7, 16 gigs of RAM, terabyte SSD, and it's really good. Like no keys have fallen off yet, so I got that going for me. Actually, so I, I used a backpack this trip that I haven't used in a while, and I found the iKey that had fallen off my, my 2016 MacBook Pro. Oh. And so I think I'd get it framed, like a shadow box or something. Did you get scared for a second? Did you think your iKey had fallen off? I did. First, I was like, <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, <wait>. Already? <laughs> Come on. Uh, it's brand new. So anyway, so I the aforementioned video... I edited on this machine in Final Cut Pro. I did some stuff in Logic. I took everything that I could throw at it, and it was totally fine. What has me most excited about this is that I can have a quad-core 13-inch machine. I I, I prefer 13 inches while traveling because it's such a lot less bulky and easier, lighter. But uh, dual-core just doesn't really cut it when it comes to my sorts of workloads as like an audio professional and like video amateur you know okay i need <laughs> horsepower uh-huh. i didn't want to say video professional i don't i don't think i am one of those yet but uh, no, i think it, it works yeah please like and subscribe mm-hmm. so, yeah, i mean it's, it's really nice it um battery life seems pretty good i haven't i didn't include that in my write-up because i hadn't really i don't really know for sure but it seemed like i, I used it some in the airport just doing like admin stuff and it was hard to like wear the battery down. Um, it, it it rendering and stuff in Final Cut was you know what I expected. The iMac Pro has ruined me in a degree because very few computers are faster than this one that mm-hmm. Apple sells, but it way faster than my 2015. The thing that really impresses me about this machine, and it impressed me about the iMac Pro when I got it, is the disk speed. Like these SSDs are so fast and that makes everything faster like having footage you need to import or um, you know APFS does some of this right moving things around but like just anytime you have to touch the file system it feels like it's instant and that makes just everything better Um, Apple's really I think it's I don't think it's talked about as much they're really killing it in SSD territory it's expensive if you need you know, two or four terabytes, but that T2 chip and the the modules they're using really scream and that, that makes everything happier. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like this is the machine that you're looking for for now. I, I think it's mm-hmm. great that you've been able to move back to a smaller size, right. With the additional power, right. That yeah. you, you, you don't have to compromise the size that you want for the power you need. 
I think that's right. that's a good I think that's a good thing. I think that's clearly yeah. for you the best thing that's come out of this. And, and I don't feel I really honestly don't feel like I'm get I'm missing out by not having a six core. Right. Like it's so much better than where where I was. And like granted this this video was a ten A timeline, but most of the four the footage except for the selfie footage was four K. And you know, so it was a mixed environment in Final Cut and it just blew through it. And I feel like anything I would need to do on the road because when I when I'm in, at home, I mean the machine basically just sits on my desk, and I use it some like at the coffee shop or something. But uh, I'm not pro- I'm not doing production work on my laptop except when I travel. And I feel like the balance is finally right. I can have the size that I want, and it be powerful enough to do what I need to do. I, I don't. I honestly don't feel like I'm missing out by not having the 15. Yeah, well, that's good then, right? Like, yeah, that's good. I'm really happy. Because then you get the space back, you get the weight back, right? And yeah, I mean, 13 inch laptops, I I like more than 15s because 15s feel really big, like they just feel mm-hmm. really big. Um, so yeah, cool. I'm pleased you're happy with it. Yeah, man. So far, so good. Uh, I bought I bought two things on Prime Day. Oh no! Yeah. Did, what have you done? Well, no, they're good things. I bought an espresso machine, like a full on. It's called the Sage Barista Express. It's, it's like slink. does the whole thing. It does the grinding, it extracts the Ooh. espresso, does the foam milk fancy. thing. Yeah, we've wanted this for a while, and we got a pretty good deal on it for Prime Dad. I don't is remember it, how much it was. Is it Vatici approved? He oh, was very. Pl- I sent him a picture, and he was very, very excited about. My oh, purchase. good, good. Yeah. Then you've then you've not made a terrible. He mistake. said. He said that looks very Italian. That's all you need. Yep. Uh, that was all I wanted, really. Like, how big is me. this thing? not as big as it looks it's big it looks massive <laughs> it looks huge but it's not as big as it looks like it is big yeah. it takes up a a a pretty significant size on the counter um yeah but it's fine and i'm happy with it like it's it's a good machine it's, it's something good. we've wanted for a while i don't make and i won't make all of my coffee with this because it's like a whole thing it's very messy it's like a whole thing yeah this seems like i have some time yeah. i can fire this thing up it's like a weekend thing i'm i've been using i've been doing a lot of it this week because it's my new toy right and i'm trying to kind mm-hmm. of get good at it um sure but I'm ultimately going to stick to my cold brew kit or my AeroPress or whatever for the right. majority because it, it generates so much mess and like it's oh, so sure. involved. It takes me Shooting like 10 steam minutes. everywhere. There's yeah. coffee beans flying out the top. And you got to clean the, the milk off the steam thing. There's the a steam tamper. One. Yep, the tamper's a whole thing. And then you've got like a, the, the little blade. It's like a whole, it's a big thing. But. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to talk about really was the fact that I bought. Yeah, why is this? Why is this in the show notes? What yeah, are you doing? I bought a Roomba. Ooh, yes, because it was like we've wanted a Roomba for a while, um, and there was a Prime Day deal to get the Roomba nine sixty thirty percent off. We're like, okay, we could use some of the wedding present money, and we bought sure. a Roomba. So we have a Roomba. I love the Roomba. The Roomba is great. Um, the Roomba for me is like home automation at its finest because you can, if you want to, program it to clean on a schedule. Mm-hmm. And that means or you can start it to go whenever you want. This thing can be doing things like when you're not around. So like we could like go that. out and then we could just start the Roomba to go off and clean. And that is like, like we have so much home automation stuff, but it's typically things that we're doing when we're there. 
all it's doing is taking a light switch from the wall and putting it with our voices, right? Like it's, right. you know, I mean, you can set these things on timers, but I think most of us, for the majority of the time, do not use yeah. automation for our home stuff. Right. It's Which, it's like, um, it's making it more accessible, but it's not yeah. truly automation. More more comfortable to use, but it's not, we're not sure. automating it, except in certain circumstances, right? Like we were all talking about this a couple of days ago when we were all on our various trips. You set the lights on an automation thing, right? So they come mm-hmm. on at night and go off in the morning. Right. So it looks like you're home, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and it has an app, of course. Uh, so that's how you kind of set it off. The, the app is okay. Um, it t- you can tell it to clean. It gives you some basic information. But it also does this thing, which is cool. Uh, it shows you a report on how the cleaning went. So you get a little map that the Roomba has drawn of your home. Yeah, it wants your praise. Well, I guess so. I'll get to the like anthropomorphizing of the Roomba in a minute. But um, the, the, it like it shows you like this map which you can kind of internally map to the root of your home. So you can see, are there any rooms it's not getting and what parts of rooms is it not cleaning? So, Because this little robot that goes around the home, you have to make some considerations for it because there's some things it just can't do. Our one right now, I find this to be unbearably cute, which is, again, the, the way we think about this robot in our home right now. It kind of goes along the edge of the doorway and it knocks the doorstop away and then shuts itself in a room, which I think oh. is like the cutest thing in the world that the Roomba gets stuck in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So like with any animal that you have in your home, uh, whether that be, or, let's say any living thing, so whether it's an animal or a child or a robot, you have to make some considerations for it. So like right now, we're like, can we, are there different like doorstops that we can get that maybe it won't? close mm-hmm. the door on its own we're not sure yet um or like sometimes it gets all ruffled up in a rug and you have to help him out because he gets all stuck in the rugs uh or you find you can walk around the house and find like that's not where that goes like ah oh, the Roomba moved it right which is you know right <laughs> now the home pod <laughs> right now i have a problem that if the Roomba goes near my wi-fi like my my modem whatever you call it, the base station, sometimes yes. it pulls the, the Ethernet cable out a little bit. I'm <laughs> like, all right, Roomba, we need to think about this. You're so, being you know, DDoSed by the Roomba. It's doing something. It's, it's like disconnecting itself from the Wi-Fi, I think. I think it's trying to make an escape. Uh, so, you know, these are just things that we're just, we're going to have to tweak some stuff in the home if we want this little thing to be walking around. Because what, you know, what it's doing is it's moving around, just lightly bumping into things, right? That's what it does. And then it mm-hmm. kind of understands where it's got to go. and it, But it bumps into everything constantly. But it's not going fast enough that it does any damage. It's just like lightly bumping into stuff. Which, again, is also part of the cuteness of this little machine. I find it unbearably adorable that when we turn it on, we like, dunk, dunk, dunk. It's just funny as it's like bumping into every surface in our home. Um, but we like it. I, it has Echo, Google Home, and IFTTT integration. So I can say... Hey, Echo, tell the Roomba to start cleaning. And it goes, and then off it goes. Um, and you can, in the same way good. that, like, uh, when I thought that it might be getting stuck somewhere, I asked it to stop and come back, and it did. It came back, and it finds this little home. They have a little home that they go back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like our weird robot pet now, which makes me, I, I want to buy googly eyes for it. Please. I've seen people Please. do that. Please do that. Like to put googly eyes on Roombas, you know, and we need to give the Roomba a name, which we have not got yet. Um, and I have currently resisted p- 
putting uh, some kind of musical device on it to make a DJ Roomba. DJ I think the HomePod <sighs> might kill it if I tried to put that. Thing it's on really there. heavy. <laughs> <laughs> just that would be the end of DJ. You want to borrow my uh, iPod Hi-Fi? Shh, yeah, I know. Kill it worse. That's got to be heavier than the HomePod. It's gonna like right? knock over furniture in your house. I don't think it would be able to move. But yeah, it's like I I really like this thing because it is doing exactly what we want, which is it's reducing the amount of vacuuming we need to do. Like it does mm-hmm. not eliminate the amount of vacuuming you need to do because it can't get all the edges and some stuff it just won't pick up, but it's reducing the amount that is required. Right. Right. Yeah. I think we've thought about it. I think why I have been hesitant is uh, they are a little pricey, but they are, you know, it's going to suck up all the kids toys. Like, you know, I'd have to work out a way for it to, maybe it's just good at this. Like, Children just leave things on the floor, just everywhere. Oh, it, the, like, the 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 clearance would it would never pick up anything meaningful. Yeah, yeah. So you know, maybe next time someone goes on sale, I'll, I'll make a su- surprise purchase. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. I do think um, things like this. Do you, know, do you know they have a a floor mopping robot now too? What? Yeah. So if That's you great. don't have like if if you have floors that need mopping rather than yeah hoovering or vacuuming, then yeah. we have no carpet in our house at all. There you go. So maybe you need the mopping robot. Although this one, I'm, I'm looking on the Amazon page, we'll do hardwood. So I think it's I think it's fun. I think products like this are easy to put personality into. I remember a friend of mine got like the first room, but like when they first came out, who knows how many years ago, and like we just all like sat around and watched it. Oh, yeah. Like, I, it was better than TV. Because like, look at first, it go. Like, the first time we set it off, I chased it around the house. Like, look at him. Yeah. Look at him. It was, it was very fun for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, I, I'm pleased with my Roomba purchase. It is good. Uh, I, I specifically wanted this one because it has the um, integrations. Yeah, right. Like the, I, I am unwilling to buy a product of this price now for my home that does not integrate with smart services in some way. Like I won't buy. I won't do it. Like I just won't do it. Um, I think that's fair because I, I feel like it. It really should. I mean, okay, my coffee maker doesn't, but it doesn't need to it has that but that's problem also that's also like an experience right like i think yes. there's a difference between vacuuming the floor and like making fancy coffee yeah because you can get coffee machines that have this stuff but i don't want those coffee machines right like they're right. the ones that have the pods or whatever or like the all-in-one system yeah, that just spits no out a coffee that. for you at the end but like no i want to be getting the thing i'm tamping it down and doing the milk and like i want to mm-hmm. do that because that's the point of it um yeah. But yeah i love i love the little roomba it's a nice addition to our home Good. Well, congratulations on your robot child. Thank you so much. If you'd like to find the show notes, oh, you don't do this bit. You do this bit. Wrap, wrap yeah, it you up. Do it. You're back. I think nah, you should. Nah, you should nah, do nah. It. I don't want to do it. Okay. Do it. If you want to find show notes this week, if you want to buy a Roomba and be cool like Mike, mm-hmm. hashtag Mike was Roomba. So mm-hmm. that doesn't have the same ring to it. We'll come we have up a W at the start, right? W R O O M B A. Ooh. And maybe. We'll see. Anyways, <laughs> those links are in the app you're listening to right now or on the website relay.fm slash connected slash 203. If you do visit the webpage, you can send us an email with any follow-up or feedback you may have, or you can find us on Twitter. Mike is there as I-M-Y-K-E. You can find uh, Mike on a bunch of shows at relay.fm slash shows. I promise you'll find something there that you would like. You can find Federico. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, and he is on Twitter as V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me there as I-S-M-H or at 512pixels.net. 
We'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Hover, Pingdom, and Inboard Technology for making this episode possible. And until next time, Mike, say goodbye. Uh, Cheerio. Adios.